excuse Cause you're always late of waiting totally Okay. Uh, podcast number eleven. Hey, Fisher. We have Boogus on as a guest. Cool artist. Welcome. Hey, Boogus. <laughs> Got you a shout out. Yay! He's a he's the artist. We have an artist on our podcast. Another one. Ooh, really creative. Good, really good artist. Yeah. Well, I'll try absolutely to explain, phenomenal thing. I'll try to explain what this is about. So we call it the um, podcast for the creatively unworthy and what that basically means is um, those of us that are dyslexic or have ADD or any of those different learning disabilities or disorders or deficits or whatever anybody wants to call it Mm -hmm. um, they're usually super creative and what happens is because of the dyslexia or ADHD, you're constantly being shamed by your teachers and your parents. And, right. and you know, I spent most of my time with my nose against the blackboard when I was in the third and fourth grade. And because of all of that, you build up a lot of shame and you, and you feel that you're uh, just, you're unworthy of any praise because you never had it at that critical age, you know, right. for me. I want to, I want, I had a, one of my art, one of my art, um, one of my drawings was on a, one of, I can't even say it, won an award. And I can remember, I can still remember this girl looking at me going, and this was back in the 50s. She goes, uh, well, because I was getting too much attention, they brought in a television that was on San Francisco television. And she, and she's, her comment to me was, well, all artists are a bunch of, of queers, excuse the language, but that's the way they talked back then, you know, what? And so I thought, I'm not gay. I don't, you know, I'm not queer. I didn't even know what the word meant, but (laughs) she was my, my third grade nemesis, Barbara Bunn, which hopefully when she dies, she'll go to hell. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, that's, that's a great age to make enemies. Gotta say. Yeah. Yeah. And she was the part of this self-proclaimed spelling police. And she would go around and tell everybody when, you know, your lowest grades and say, you know, stuff like that. So that all this feeling of unworthiness. And that's what we're, right. what, what this is about. All of us are artists here in this little group or in our little group. Mm-hmm. So you fit right in. Uh creative at some point you're going to feel unworthy and we're here to talk about it and maybe give some tips and tricks and insight um maybe let other creatives not feel so alone mm-hmm. in that unworthy feeling um, yeah. yeah maybe you may, do you feel do you ever feel unworthy of your art oh absolutely <laughs> it, yeah it's so uh, a bit about me um i i do not have dyslexia or if I do then it's it's incredibly mild um but I do definitely have uh ADHD and it's been like a lot of uh work going through or like trying to get that self-worth from school because I'm very bad at school it's what are you bad in what subjects are you bad in 
uh, most of them. Uh, I'm pretty sure last time I checked my uh, GPA was like below two, um, which is not good for uh, the place I'm in, the environment I'm in. In fact, my school was nice enough to publicly rank all of the students as far as grades go. And I, there's like 400 ish people in my class, like class of uh, 2021, I'm graduating, but um, yeah, there's like 400 ish people in uh, that, that class. And I ranked like 380th. So that that was a great uh, boost of self-esteem. That's self-shaming. That's public shaming. Yeah, that's kind of inappropriate to list all that. Well, it's it's not a list of names, but they tell you where you are on that list. This would be the perfect time to show some of his drawings and paintings. Do you have anything you can just put on the... Put up here i'll allow screen share you can pull up your instagram if you you to. Uh, yeah you don't have to but you can yeah I don't... if it's amazing his, his work is amazing though yeah you you really I... do have talented hands we can insert it later after if you oh, want can? oh that's true right yeah, let's do that let's do that perfect. i i can yeah. also pull it yeah, up pull it up if you can if yeah. you have it it's easier for me editing later i don't right, just so you guys know there's there's a squirrel outside my window, hanging upside down, drinking from the hummingbird feeders. He's got it. He's upside down. Squirrels figured out how to drink. Squirrels are incredibly good at breaking into any type of feeder. It's impressive, actually. And this is also an example of Kristen's ADHD. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell. Squirrels. That's why I keep looking at him. I'm like, what the heck is he doing? He's like acrobatting upside down, got it tilted, and it's yeah. like dripping off his face. I'm going to grab uh, a picture that Kristen drew when she was really a young, very, very young girl because it's my favorite painting. I'm going to be back in a second. All right. Okay. And uh, I think I almost have... There we go. So... My art is much different now that I'm older, just so you know. <laughs> I would hope. <laughs> Here, wait. Actually, I'll stop screen sharing so they can see that. So this is, I forget how young she was when she drew this. Aww. The, the, she was like, really, really, I'm talking about um, kindergarten or something, but the perspective of it is, and I got that, um, maybe there's a better way to show it. It doesn't have the glare. Uh, no, it doesn't have the glare, but the perspective of the building and the horse and everything it, it's amazing i mean it's as good as a lot of people that tried to do this stuff on, on purpose and i love how uh, you have it framed still you, <laughs> i framed it of course because i'm proud and you said that's when when she was uh, six years old was it oh probably younger Kristen, how old do you think that was so it was like when you were in the school yeah yeah that is that's incredible uh like seven eight-year-old stuff the kids are trying My favorite to one that you like have. even even understanding what perspective is like at that age it's not going to be conscious but understanding that like there's a horizon line and things will be on it at least like subconsciously at that age it's incredible mm-hmm. um like the okay so the artist that i see as the best artist alive right now um is a man named kim jung-yi 
Uh, and what he does is he's like able to, you know, grab a pen and draw anything out of his mind and just draw for hours and hours and fill like an entire wall sized uh, piece of paper with just these, you know, beautiful, incredibly detailed illustration with like perfect perspective and he can draw wow. anything just straight out of his head, no sketching. It's insane. I was watching uh, an interview with him from like a while ago and like they, they were explaining like he had always been like just incredibly in tune with perspective and he like started drawing stuff from like one point and two point perspective back in like kindergarten with like crayons which is insane, insane. and so like if you're able to at least like subconsciously understand perspective at that age then I think you've got a pretty good path ahead of you <laughs> yeah that's for sure her art now is like still pretty like stellar and what the problem is that, that I didn't know what to do with it at the time you know I was um in my four I guess it was in my 40s back in the day then and nobody ever explained to me how to um how to support an artist uh, and that's mm -hmm. kind of what this whole thing this whole thing that we're doing is that just like your your name on some board it's just bullshit i mean that's the kind of stuff that really is so yeah there's there's his work oh my yeah God. look at this yeah like, i mean so did you cool. say you just like doodled this out of like, uh, like scale the the mermaids are just so cool Oh my gosh. Look at that. I mean, I just wow. love it. And it's I'll like haunting. And this perspective, too. I mean, yeah. damn. That's so the way I look, by the way. This way. You look like that? <laughs> I like yeah. It. If I didn't have any clothes on, I'd still look like that. Oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Can't help it. Zoom. Let me see those hands. Where? To the, the right. To the right? The hands going like this. I want to see those. Oh, uh, bottom oh. right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. Wow. It's really just I drew a thumb and then five. <laughs> or yeah, you, you did a great job. That's awesome. Uh, really, that's I'm, I'm really just still learning. I, I've got a lot to get, like, a good grasp on. Um, I've, I've explained this to, uh, Rebecca, I think that, like, what defines skill, or, like, experience is speed, in a way. It's not like you should only focus on getting faster. That's not the point. It's the point, or the point is, like, the more experienced you are, the quicker you're able to do something right. Like, anyone, yeah. I feel like if you give someone, like, enough time, they can do anything. They can make any masterpiece. But okay, wait, stop. Let me stop you right there. Not true. Very few people can do this, and very, very few. See, you've been taught, and I've been taught, or our culture's been taught that anybody, if they just, everybody's creative, and it's bullshit. It's not true. Very. very I, it was some. I and I got this statistic from Jordan Peterson. It was something like. One or two percent of the population is creative. You know, it's just—it's incredibly small percentage. 
And yet we, you know, and we even if you're creative, you're not necessarily good at drawing. Doesn't mean you're good at drawing, but you're definitely good at oh, drawing. Oh, he's beyond good. He's yeah. He's he's on the way. Like to you've got a whole style. Yeah. So really, at this point, I'm just trying to figure out <laughs> what I'm doing. Wow. Uh, and see, part of what we wanted to do in this podcast is tell the truth that this 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 isn't ordinary. This is extraordinary, and and you have to let that sink sink in because you know I, I relate to you. I mean, I relate to being on the lowest. I wow. Mean, you know. I was contemplating actually killing myself when I was in the third grade because they were gonna hold me back. Cause I thought it meant that I was, you know, an idiot. And besides, I really liked Gail and she was gonna be in the fourth grade. And I knew the way, you know, no fourth grader would go out with a third grader hold back. It was like, I would have jumped out the window, but I knew that Barbara Bunn would have been there and looked at everybody, my blood, my body stretched out over the concrete after I jumped out of the third story window. And then she would have just said, see, this is what happens when your kid can't spell. So I didn't do it. There was no reason <coughs> I didn't. Oh, uh, that was an unfortunate Everyone thought. listening out there, let's all find Barbara Bunn online and give nah. her a shit. No, no, no not, targeted harass. She's actually a real person. Um, yeah. I kept, I've just never forgot her. I actually thought Barbara. If you're listening, Barbara, come from a place of love instead of shame. I'd heard that she'd gone on and went to Stanford. And um, when when we landed on the moon in 1969, that she was the one that originally said, it's not, you know, that corrected the astronaut when he said, one step for man, you know, something step for mankind. And she corrected, <laughs> you know, there was the, the, the spelling police, the art police that come in and they want to, you know, I bet she's a lot of fun at parties, but yeah, she sounds like a know. real treat. <laughs> I've got so I I try not to think negatively about people. I, I see it like this. Um, so little story. Uh, however many years ago, my mom went out shopping and she brought home peaches, and you know I like peaches, so I went out to you know eat a peach and I bit into it and it was like weird and mushy and gross. So I was like, ugh. I don't want this, and I threw it in the trash. Turns out it bit into a bruise. The rest of the peach was just fine, but you know, it was just the oh. bruise that I bit into. Oh, I and see I think, yeah, I think people are the same way. They have good and bad aspects of them. So if you have someone in your life who's, you know, you don't like, you probably just don't like that side of them. Not to say that you should try to be friends with everyone, or, you know, if someone does something bad, that's okay. Like, you know, we should hold people to a, a standard of kindness, but uh, I, I try not to I think like negatively of, like people as a whole. But to what you're talking about, uh, like uh, only like a couple percent of people being creative, I'm not sure. Like, I wonder how that uh works like is that like creative because so okay, i see art as just communication it's just like another way of communication you know everyone uh hold on uh everyone's able to like 
speak with words because that's what we were taught since kindergarten um or like even before but you know not or everyone's able to draw because we're not you know expected to so i feel like art is just like some sort of communication that goes or that's sort of abnormal it's like auxiliary and or so like i think that about music about like you know uh writing literature someone just communicating something in a way that not everyone does so i'm not sure like how because i feel like everyone has some sort of way they express themselves be it through like hobbies or there's the difference between expressing yourself and being truly creative you know what what is being creative um well, like that scientist and he's or the data man and that was creative in itself i guess it doesn't have to be about art the problem solving can be creative well, problem solving is the very way you I pack just, a bag if you're a grocer bag girl at the grocery store could be creative if you do it you know add your own flair to it anything anyone could I don't know about that fact because I, I don't know. I've, I think that I think it was more like ten percent of the population is creative, something like that. But here, or maybe like it's only ten percent of the where. But here's my point, um, Dips, and all of this mm -hmm. is that it, it doesn't matter what the percentage is or whatever. It's that, and and, and this isn't just this isn't this is I'm not just making this up, but it's um, years like. I'm now 73 years old, so I've lived through I've lived through all of this stuff. And for somebody who's creative to make a living is extremely difficult. You hear, if you listen to this Peterson character, you, you know he, he'll just say, "Look, you know, make sure you have another job that you enjoy." Well, and then work on because very few people ever, ever, ever make it as a profession. I, mm -hmm. um, I, I haven't met another writer like myself who has been a self-sustained writer for like 30 years um, mm -hmm. mo most of them it's part-time or they you know they have another job or they whatever but that uh, to actually live that life it's i mean it's it i've had to deal with the 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 stress of i'll just give you an example like um the very first book i wrote it got published and then the second book i wrote got published by random house so i had two books in the books i thought this was easy i thought everybody could write i didn't know mm -hmm. that everybody couldn't write and i can remember um you know going to a a, a book signing it was a b dalton's and i remember this one guy said you know because he was looking at my my book and I said I was dyslexic, and or so, I forget what it was. But he just said, "Well, are you are you crazy? Are you?" And it's just like it was such an insult. And so this is what I call the farmers of the world. They're the the people that have. I, I say I call them hunters and farmers. The hunter is uh, somebody who needs a lot of stimulus. You know, they're the they're the the artists, the creators, the the engineers, the people, you know, the, the special forces, the Navy SEALs, these guys need lots and lots of, of stimulus. Now, the stimulus could come from art or it could come from 
for me, a lot of it was risk. Early, early on, I took lots and lots of risks. Mm-hmm. And, the, and what that does is it creates dopamine and the dopamine, you know, opens up the prefrontal cortex and allows you to think in a, uh, uh, you know, norm, you know, be able to, to you to, you know, to be able to think in a classic sense. What would happen was when I would, when I was your age and I would take a test, um, suddenly, and this all came about with meaning, like, let's say I, I, I had to take the, the, the test to get into the Air Force Academy, and I took this test, I literally would sit there and look at the same sentence and read it over and over and I could read but I'd read this I couldn't get the meaning like it didn't mean I I didn't have I'd lost it what happened was the meaning of taking a test long ago when I was a little kid became fight or flight well in the brain the you know below the the neocortex is the is the um because what it's called but it's the you know the flight or fight part of the brain and mm-hmm. when you're in that there's no memory you're in fight or flight and that means you know blood rushes from from the brain and 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 goes out to the extremity so you can run and get away well that's what happens for a lot of boys especially boys when they go to take these tests they're in a fight or flight and all i would do is hear the ticking of the clock tick 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 and i literally my grades, my my SAT scores were so low. I'm convinced that in some building where they have them, I'm on the list of the lowest SAT scores ever recorded. You know, I'm sure of it. And I call the yeah, people. I like SAT scores, or at least like the ACT is the one I took, is very very bad if you are slow, and if you are like if you need to take time to digest problems, then you're basically screwed. You're not going to do well no matter how well you actually do. Or how many grades like, have pulled you back. It doesn't yeah, you're given like 60 seconds per question. That's not enough, especially mm-hmm. like if you have to read a whole ass essay. Um, yeah. Unless I, you have a different, unless your brain, unless you have a different type of, I should have this all written out. I do have it written out. It's hard for me to remember off the top of the head. But we, I call a farmer is somebody who could sit and pick bugs off leaves and not get bored. So they're the ones that can do this route um, learning, you know. And so they, they and also has to do with sounds too. There's, there's a lot. I'm trying to throw too much at you, but there's a, there's, um, a lot of evidence behind all this. But basically, I call hunters and farmers because for years the farmers have been tried to squelch the hunter, the hunter brain. An example of this is Jordan Peterson, who says he's on this mission to say, you know, the whole school system now is basically full of these farmers. He doesn't call them that. He, oh, yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's awful. And the gatekeeper to school is who? It's the farmer. They keep you and I out of the higher, you know, of the universe, the top universities, you know. It's also I, like the way I got divergent, in was, divergent kind of thinking. Yeah. The way I got in was by going to junior college, and then you automatically got to go into the you know four year state university. But there's no way I could have passed the tests. I uh, I could, I would love to rant about how awful the our school system is and how it basically punishes creativity. It's like, you know, school is about or being well or doing well in school is not about understanding 
what you're given. It's about finding what the teacher wants and then doing it. Does the teacher want you to just memorize this list of items? Well, then you figure out or you figure that out. You memorize the list of items. You don't complain about it and just go on with your day. You don't actually digest anything. And so I, I want to become an art teacher. That's like my big goal. It's my dream. And I need to figure out how to break that. I need to figure out how to like make a creative space in this like inherently in or uncreative environment where you're just encouraged to, you know, do what you're told, shut up, and then like <laughs> then you're told how you do is gonna like affect how you are the rest of your life. It's like, you know, it's incredibly stressful when you know, someone slams a paper in front of you and they say write a five page essay. If you screw up on this, you're gonna be you know, flipping burgers for the rest of your life and you're going to be miserable. That's a horrible thing to do to a teenager. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Just to show you that this isn't a new problem, this book, it's called Frame of Minds, and it was written by um, Liam Hudson, Frame of Minds, uh, Ability Perception and Self-Perception in the Arts and Sciences. And he did his PhD back in 1960. Um, Four, I guess it was. He went around the country in England and, and he tested all of these um, students that were going on to Cambridge. And he found uh, he, what he called, um, he called them was the, the, there was the scientists and the artists. And he found that, the, that the, sci- the kids that scored the highest on the IQ test that were going to go into um, Cambridge scored the low, you know, didn't, they weren't create, they, they weren't artists at all. Whereas the artists scored low on the IQ test and they were high in, in art. So he devised a test and I love this. It's called the, um, the um, object test. And it would say, how many uses can you find for a brick? And so if he, the, the scientist kids would say, well, you can make a bookcase, build a building and do a, you know, make a, 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 a fold of, or make a, you know, something straightforward built, you know, it'd be about three mm-hmm. answers. And then they would ask the creative kids and it would be like, start a revolution, you know, put put bricks around a body to get rid of it, throw it in the ocean, use it to grind up and use for paste powder or kill somebody. A lot of people would like poison things to do, but the list would go on and on and some of the most creative stuff. And he went like, oh my God. And he tested all of these kids throughout, throughout England that were going on to, you know, the, the top kids and then also the bottom kids or the artists and found mm-hmm. the same thing was throughout. And, they, and he created, he came up with the words convergent and divergent. And what that means is the, the scientist kids and like your school teachers have their, their teaching processes, they converge to one single correct answer. Whereas the artist is divergent. He sees many answers. So if I give you a multiple choice question, a test with multiple choices, you might see every single one of them has a practical use, whereas the convergent will go to converge to the single correct answer. And he right. goes on, and he was wrote about this years ago, but nothing that I can tell has changed because here you, here we are talking about the same thing that he was talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's all like to do with our brains and we're not exactly evolving very quickly. Um, <laughs> And you don't have to, 
Oh, this is going to sound like super pretentious. Uh, you don't have to worry about like you know, throwing too much at me because like my favorite subjects in school are psychology and anatomy. I love learning about how people tick. It's so, so fun. But it's like, I don't think, uh, yeah, you can't, like it's not, you know, all the teachers fault for how awful school is. It's also like, you know, grades are the basis for funding. If, you know, kids get good grades and, or if like a school has like a lot of kids with good grades then that school will get more funding because it's doing well. So it's like, you know, the administrators of the school, like the superintendent who knows nothing about teaching but has full control over the systems, they'll basically go like, you need to do this, this, and this. You need to get us the best grades, even though grades don't really mean anything. Mm. And yeah, it's just, way, way, way at the top. Yeah, and it's it's frustrating. So that you you said you wanted to find. First of all, I think your idea about I love psychology. I study it. I mean, I'm I'm an, I never stop learning. I'm constantly reading. I went oh. to the library. You know, absolutely all the latest things. Yeah, same. That's how I found you, Jordan Peterson. Is I listen to psychology lessons lectures all the time. Ah. Yeah. By the way, I was watching Jordan Peterson giving this, you know, they were just attack. I call them the farmers were attacking them. There were these feminist liberal women that were just on a bent to make him wrong, you know, and he was sitting there listening to it. And I they watched his leg, I watched his leg, his foot were tapping like crazy. And you know what he was doing when he was doing that? That creates dopamine. That was opening up, that's, you know, I thought, oh my God, there's a perfect example of, of him, you know, my legs used to bounce off the table. I would sit there. Remember, and your legs start bouncing like crazy. Oh, uh, Jimmy, leg, yeah. That that function, that's your mind creating the flow of dopamine, trying to open that, open up your your thought pattern, so you can, you know, take your test or learn it, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I might seem a little aggressive to you, but I've had you know sixty years of these bastards shaming me, making me feel like a dumb, trying to make me feel like a dumb shit, and yet. Yeah. Um, you know, my artwork's not bad. It, you know, it's yeah. His his artwork's on the walls behind him. All those paintings. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like, I'll say. Um, I have time. My whole room. It, yeah. The room is full of paintings and art that I've done. Just painting mm -hmm. everywhere, around the corner. And anyway, it doesn't matter. But. Um, that and 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 I love that one that's right behind you. This one? Yeah, the one that's right behind you. Yeah. That, and that's well, him, right? That one's not mine. That one that's you from Cambodia. Oh, this one. That was not the Buddha. Oh. That one. Yeah, this was um can you see it? How do I get it? Boom. That was me in the jungle. You know, and I what I mm -hmm. the creative part of this for me. Is I created a wall, but I put Viet, Vietnamese names, the names of Viet, Viet Cong that were killed. You know, versus like you always hear about the wall with the fifty-eight thousand Americans. Yeah. I thought, hey, I should do a wall for them. Anyway. Yeah. That was nice of you. And Thank I you. also feel like before we move on, I want to say that, like, it's it's ADHD, you know, attention deficit disorder, but it, it's really just like. The difference between convergent divergent thinking and like your brain processes something differently and they're labeling everybody who has something like that 
disabled or you know you have a disorder like your your brain's broken but it's really just a different way of thinking and like I I was gone for a little bit so I don't know if Larry told that story but when he was in the war like wouldn't you say that your hunter brain your uh, divergent thinking like saved you like because you're you're getting distracted but you're listening to all these things and you know the first time I I heard the term sixth sense um, and I went back and I looked at my books and I, and my autobiographical, I've written a couple of books about myself 20 years ago about, you know, being in the war and the term sixth sense comes up a lot and guys would say, oh, you have a sixth sense. I sort of knew when the ambush was going to happen. I knew where the enemy was. I knew, and I was never afraid. I was always felt like, you know, I was kind of in control or, or it was like, I went to the head of the class and within Within six months of being in the army, they made me a sergeant. I got a battlefield commission as sergeant. That takes three years today, you know, or six years, mm-hmm. no, six years to become a sergeant. As they made it in six months, you know. So I went from the guy in the back of the class that could was having trouble to the head of the class, and then the kids that were the smartest would freak out. Mm-hmm. Like we took out on this one mission, this guy that was way smarter than most of us in our in my company, and and he, he, we were always surrounded by enemy soldiers because it was five-man team, you know, way out, like you see in the movies, you know, except I really did it, you know, way out in the jungle. And they got surrounded one night and the overload, this is for the farmer brain, the, the rope, the kind of the, the convergent brain, the, um, you know, it's called the farmer brain. He couldn't take all of the, uh, of the input, you know, whereas the hunter brain, I was thriving on it, you know. I was talk about. I've never. They would say, "Well, you need to take here's some um, dextrose dextrosephenamine to keep you awake in the jungle." And I go, "I don't need that." I'm like never slept. I was like constantly awake because it was the most exciting, you know. Everything was vivid. And when I went to write this uh, book, the first book I wrote, I remembered everything. I could remember guys' names. I can picture in my mind their their names on the on their on their chest all that stuff was right there now i thought everybody could do this that's the point of this podcast i thought or you know you think or you know discount down your talents you think everybody can do this and i'm saying not everybody can do this not even close not if you put a gun to their head and said i'm going to pull the trigger if you don't draw a painting as good half as good as one you've done mm-hmm. and they would actually end up going okay shoot me because i can't do it you know so part of this whole thing is to reinforce your talent but then also hopefully we'll get into things that that we've all done to to try to to, um utilize that talent for me i became a ghostwriter because i found out that not everybody could write boom so i created a business that i actually i would sit down and i could in an afternoon draw out and i and it was funny that you said you're the guy that drew stuff out i would draw out the whole guy's life on on a great big board and i remember the first time i did it i was kind of embarrassed because you know you're doing it publicly you know in other words people are sitting there looking at you and you and i would draw all these things out and it would just be amazing and they couldn't they couldn't do it so i ended up charging them you know a lot of money to to do this for them and then um 
you know, I made a living at that for 30 years. So that was one way I found, like you said, you're looking for things. So an art teacher, that's perfect because it'll still allow you. And by the way, if you don't follow your, your skill set or your, you know, your, what you love doing, you will be miserable. Every time I'm not doing art or not writing, if I'm trying to do stuff that's outside of that, it's like I'm bored out of my freaking mind. I hate it. So mm-hmm. you, you know, you've got to keep that stimulation. Yeah, it's like, you know, a, a couple of things. If you want to go into a career for art, you have to really, really love art. If you do it for the money, you're sort of dumb. Uh, yeah. Because like, one, you're not going to get paid a whole lot. Like, it's just art isn't seen as very valuable. I don't feel like at least not as much as it should be. Um, I paid a lot of money for paintings. The painting them, this painting over here. I, um, this woman painted, you can't see very well, but she paid um, $8,000 for that like 15 mm-hmm. years ago. And those paint and those paintings are so her paintings are selling for like 30 and 40,000. So you can right. make a lot of money. They you tell can. you, it's not the thing is, you the see norm. the successes, you see the successes way more than you see the failures, and it's just not an accurate like. Well, I'm going to predict you're going to make a lot of money at this, okay? So you can try uh, to say no. I plan on being a teacher, so I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> but, <laughs> so aggressively. But then the, and it's also like, you know, you spend however many hours working on a thing, like something that I usually do if it's like a quick sketch or like something that I only put a little bit of time into because like, you know, I, I love art, but I can't, you know, put all of my energy into it. I need to do other things. Like, it'll still, it'll be like four hours and people will look at it for three seconds. That's just not, like, if if you're mm-hmm. doing it for other people, then you're just not going to get no, any value right. out of it. Right. You got to do it for yourself. And by the way, one of the things I suggest you do, go to Europe. You want to see art? Uh, it'll blow. I'd love to. I need okay. I need to go to the Louvre, like at least one point in my life. I need to go there with my <laughs> iPad and look at how he's coming alive. Just... Ching, ching. Yeah, uh, that got and, me excited. <laughs> and the and the other thing I want to talk about is I feel like it's like a huge misconception that like people with ADHD aren't paying attention. I feel like it's the exact opposite. They're paying too it much attention. Yeah, yeah. It's like. I, I I'm just speaking from personal experience, and it's like it affects everyone differently. I have uh I think it was called inattentive uh type ADHD. I don't get hyperactive in case, or in fact, I have really really low energy. But it's just like I don't. It's more of a motivation thing than a attention thing. I feel because like it's really hard for me to block out stuff. I need or I'm always like you know, listening to sounds, I'm always seeing things, so if it gets overwhelming, I need to remove myself from the situation, I can't zone anything out, and, like, with school, I could only do well on tests, because I pay attention, I, like, I absorb all the information, like you were talking about, Larry, like, I, I could remember everything so, you know, vividly, but it's just, so like if I was given a test and it was just like this happened, this happened, you know, select the right answer. It's like it was so easy. But you know, I have to or I was given a piece of paper, like this is your homework, get done by Saturday and I need to go home. You know, it's like I don't care about it. It's mm-hmm. not something I'm into. So it's like it's a, again a motivation thing. I'll just 
forget about it. I would say it's a meaning thing. It's the motivation. It's yeah. You you know, the, when I said Europe, because Europe is a suppository of the great art. I mean, cities are art. You go to Czechos, you go to Prague, and it'll blow your mind. You walk mm -hmm. around in the, in Bulgaria, in these ancient, these cities, it's, at least if they weren't destroyed during World War II, you, it, you, you just, I mean, I remember going to, when I went to Amsterdam, and I literally walked in the Rijksmuseum yeah, in Amsterdam. I walked in and there was a painting on the wall and I stood there like this for an hour and a half, just staring at this one. I hadn't even looked at the other ones. I just was blown away. When, mm -hmm. And then, you know, go to, go to Florence and look at Michelangelo's David. Now there's people in there going like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I thought the Sistine Chapel would be bigger, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I looked at Mike, at this David as like inspired by God. I mean, how how do you how do you sculpture an arm out of one piece of 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 granite, you know? And mm -hmm. that's 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 it's that's not you know he didn't glue it on. He carved yeah. all this thing, you know, Michelangelo. And you you go yeah. there. And by the way, if you go when you go to Europe, you go to Florence and you go to this one church. I can't remember the name of it, but in this one church are a bunch of high school buddies that all grew up the same time period and they're all buried in the church it's michelangelo galileo um another i can't think of the other one there's a third real thing and like oh my god it'd be like elon musk and and uh bill gates and you know what and a couple of the other you know guys are all buried in the same you know grew up at the same time period so there's mm -hmm. weird kind of things that happens in art and to uh, and in science that there'll just be an explosion and you'll you'll see a group and mike and uh, malcolm gladwell's written about this in some of his books but you'll see a, a cluster of the of these thinking that came out around the same time period and the computer is a perfect example of it all of those guys from from um who's the apple guy the oh steve jobs steve jobs and and um you could name a bunch of the top guys and we're all born within about three or four years of each other, you know? And then of course they had access to computers when my age group didn't, mm -hmm. but you'll, you'll see a region. So like you're looking, you know, they went to Silicon Valley, you know, that's where that thought process was accepted. Um, MIT calls dyslexia the MIT disease. And it's like all of these engineers that go to MIT are dyslexic. And I, I even read that Na NASA is the um, National Air and, you know, what's it called? <laughs> NESA. 50% of the engineers that they, and they want to hire dyslexics because of the, you know, they, creativity is really lateral thinking that's my best example of it so you know you take one idea from here and you put it together over there it's like this algorithm i mean not algorithm but uh and what do you call it an anagram you know where bert where you can take letters and put mm -hmm. them but anyway so there's there's different schools that will you know you want to you want to be a writer you go to university of iowa that's like the harvard for writers you know, if you want to, 
you want to be a scientist with this and, and end up a super engineer, you go to MIT. So art, I don't know where the art main art school is. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's. Uh, I'm pretty sure LA is like a, just a huge. Oh yeah, LA would totally yeah. be like that spot for art. But then, Juilliard. Yeah. Oh yeah. And there's like. Yeah, Juilliard. Yeah, yeah. Juilliard. Some, lots of Tillier, big school. Kristen, Kristen, you're being awful quiet. Kristen's another super creative person who found a niche in in the reality shows as an editor because she can, and I've always seen this, but she would take something that she didn't even know how it worked and like figure it out. And she didn't, couldn't tell me how she figured it out, but she would just figure it out. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And she's turned that into a career. You know, so. Yeah, story producing and some editing on the sides. Um, very cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very content architecty. Like, I, like Dad just said, I could take something someone said from over here and mix it with this shot over here and some dialogue over here, and then you have this whole complete thought from these random sound bites and storytelling mm -hmm. is creative, and, and I love storytelling. I love communicating. Um, I like small groups, but I can definitely do big groups, but I prefer one-on-one -on -one so I can see the mm -hmm. eyes and the facial expressions and if they're paying attention or if I've lost them or mm -hmm. um, the tone yeah. and you know so, yeah. yeah um now I I'm you know still just a kid and how old I've got uh I'm like turning 18 in that's the only question on the test, by the way. 15 days. <laughs> um, but, uh, so like there's, there's still a lot of life ahead of me and a lot of things I have yet to learn. So I don't know entirely what creativity is, at least not to me. And I don't, or, and I feel like it'll be a while before I know, but I do know that, or I have a feeling that right now how i see creativity is someone's ability to like take bits and pieces of whatever they find and mix it together in you know some way that uh is new or like maybe new isn't the right word you yeah, know humans right. have been around for yeah. so long it's hard to have an idea that's entirely new but it's also it's you and it's your way of doing it and that's special because you are the first you yeah. Um, and I, I feel like it's, or creativity is probably comes easier to people who aren't normal. Like, you know, you're, someone grows up, no mental illnesses, they don't have like, or like for me, I, I've no got, struggle. yeah, I've got, uh, ADHD I have like crazy depression anxiety and like I feel like that has led me down a different path than you know a, or a normal person and because of that I have to I have to get creative um if I want to go through a day without um hating myself basically I have to figure it out instead of it just coming naturally to me. And 
uh, if you have dyslexia, then your or I, your ability to you know piece together stuff like writing is harder. At least writing that you read, at least that's the sense that I get. Again, I don't have it, and you know ADHD, your ability to focus and you know be motivated for things is different. So you need to figure out you 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 basically have to figure out life in a way that no one's really able yes. to teach you no one's normally yeah. able to teach you okay you nailed it that's mm-hmm. it yeah one of the things yeah I've done navigating is through life as a creative i flipped yeah. all of the words that i was told i was around or my friend john fox i've gone through years of therapy i could get really depressed too but i have oh, the yeah. advantage of going to therapy and i'm this really great guy that was worse off than i ever ever was and um we flipped around all of the words like you know when when they say well you're really distracted you know you can't focus on anything well when i was in the jungle if i wasn't distracted the enemy would step on a thing you'd be dead so your 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 focus is spread all Mm -hmm. out and then suddenly when you've got a focus it hyper focuses on it so you know i have um, I will hyper-focus so much that I'll sit down and start on a, like I'm working on a screenplay. I'll look up and six hours has gone by and I couldn't even tell you where the time went. I am mm-hmm. lost in it and I am in heaven when I'm doing that. You know, or if I'm doing a painting that I get lost in, I'm in heaven. You know, especially if I come up something creative like putting enemy soldiers on a wall that with me looking at it in the jungle, like, that's creative. I had to go and look up and make sure that the names were spelled right. Well, I went even further than that. I went to Vietnam and found the names on that. Uh, they, they have, um, you know, different villages will have the names of the Viet Cong guys that were killed there. So their names, and I took those names and put them on. So I even turned this into an, a, a, a journey, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I went through every single one of those and I've got a list. Did I send you that list? Rebecca, of the uh, flip around, I took every single thing and flipped it. Yeah, and I showed, don't think you sent me that one. And showed it as an attribute rather than a, a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to tell you the story. When when this stuff becomes valuable, uh, the hunter farmer and uh, hunter, just that's a category. I I say dyslexic ADD all of that follows under anybody who's creative is like at the hunter it's a hunter brain so where this comes invaluable it's world war ii we just get bombed by the japanese okay the japanese pilots the navy pilots were the best in the world they've been fighting for 10 years in in china before they even before they even bombed us these guys had experience they invented the term dog fighting and then we got the luftwaffe these guys had been you know, fighting for five years before we ever got into the war. So you've got these two great armies and suddenly here's the USA is in it. And so they they start their flight school and they suddenly found that their best pilots weren't, were flunking out. So they hired this guy and he actually ended up being, his name is Ger- um, Gilbert. He was a, a Lieutenant Colonel. He goes there and he discovered that the, what happened was, was the best pilots were, had a divergent thinking pattern. And what that's like, remember the movie Top Gun? 
And Tom Cruise, mm -hmm. you know, she goes, what were you thinking? He goes, I wasn't thinking. You know, when you're up there, you can't think. Well, that's the fighter pilot. So these divergent thinkers were the, you know, that you didn't know what they were going to do. Now, an example of the convergent thinker, the guys that were passing the test and be, becoming pilots, the officers that did, um, when we were flying B-52s into Hanoi, they would fly the same route in and the same route back. And the reason for it was they were save, it's, they're save on fuel. Well, then they get shot down and nobody could, they couldn't figure mm -hmm. out what, that's the convergent thinking pattern. Well, we'll save on fuel, so we'll fly straight in and straight back. And the, you know, the Vietnamese would go, oh, so they just set their guns out for the same pattern going back. And, it, and I, I've just, I've collected all of these stories of, of um, and he actually changed the way they, they, they hired pilots, not hired pilots, they um, promoted the pilots pilots um to, they were called uh, the start um warrant officers that's when the warrant officer program got started and one of the one of the great stories you ever see the movie um the right stuff i don't think so that'd be a great one to watch because it's about the astronaut program and the one guy oh. that was the premier <laughs> pilot was um was um john not john glenn um was um of his name in a second but he was what the other pilots all knew him as you know the, 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 the he was the best of the best but he didn't have a college degree and matter of fact he couldn't get into flight school um he he, he couldn't he couldn't get he couldn't get in so he became a flying he was a they made him a sergeant and he would he could take apart the engines and put them back together again and he knew so much about it that that later on like even today when you hear pilots on the phone and they say they talk like well now we're coming in they talk in that pattern that's this guy's pattern i'll think of his name again in a second but he he would he was one time flying and some um some uh uh transcontinental plane got in trouble they and he said okay explain me what's going and he figured it all out and told him what to do he'd never been in that plane during the Korean War, um, he landed. Um, they 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 got a um, North Korean guy defected. He he went in the MiG. There was no training manual. It was all in Korean, and he just took it up and he flew it. He went, yeah, it's pretty good, but it won't do a you know inverted turn. It's like what? Damn! I wish I could think of his name. I um, think I think an aspect of creativity. He the, then he broke the sound barrier too. That's the guy that broke the sound oh. barrier. He was a test pilot, ah. but he couldn't become think, an astronaut because he didn't have a college degree. I think an aspect of creativity, then you uh, touched on this, like at the near the beginning of this podcast is just the, a willingness to be uncomfortable. Yeah. With risks right. or like to take risks or just to be able to fail. Maybe it's not willingness to be able to fail, but like, sort of a comfort with being uncomfortable if that makes sense like it makes total sense yeah. you faced challenges you faced hardships in your life you're used to you know not exactly getting what you want all the time so you're more willing or you can be more willing to like just get out there and fail yeah take risks. the united uh, states is the most creative country in the world and 
And there are other countries that aren't, like Japan. You know, they they beat you if you misspelled. You know, there's I've seen pictures of cans over you know somebody's head banging it because they could. You know, they're a whole culture about perfection. Everything has to be perfect. And Chinese are the same way. They really have this mentality of they will take what you've done and they will make it better or fix it or take make it their own. But they don't create anything. My my big joke. When's the last thing that that chi- that came out of China that was was new and creative? Oh wait, well you figure it out. Uh, you don't have to. It's those little handcuffs. Remember the little Chinese? It's my joke. It's Genshin. Never mind. Did Genshin uh, impact? I'm yeah. So are you gonna Chinese? I think that's Korean. Jaeger. What I'm what I mean yeah, what I'm saying that is you can't you can't offload creativity. You can't send it to another country. So we're all worried about, oh my God, we're gonna lose our edge. And so no, we're not, because we're we're we uh, we're allowed to fail. China, you're not allowed to fail. Japan, you're not allowed to fail. I've been living in, in Asia for the last 10 years and I see it in their school system, you know, that that route learning, you know, a lot they, of farmers. They, they don't. Uh, one of the biggest complaints for the Cambodians that graduate from college, there's several complaints, but one of them is no initiative. In other words, they could see the problem right there, but they're not going to go and do anything about it because it's kind of the tall poppy gets cut down. So their culture is not to take the initiative. They Here. let somebody else do it. Yeah, and that's like another huge problem with, you know, our school system. It doesn't like you learn through failure. You learn through failure. Thank you. So telling someone you can't fail or your life will suck, they're not going to learn anything then. No. And like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like experience, or I don't feel like it's just, you know, experiences are infinitely more powerful for learning than just like getting told something. I can tell you that, uh, you know, an apple is red however many times I want, but if you haven't seen an apple, then you won't really know. And so I feel like school should not be about like trying to, you know, hammer in you know, the shit into oh, kids' heads. It should be about telling them how to learn. You, and you know why school was created? If school was created during the turn of the century to, to create just enough education for factory workers. Even the way, mm-hmm. even the way it's set up, the bell that rings, let's <laughs> bell in the factory. The way that they're set, you know, the, 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 the seats are all in order. That was all a process of learning to be good factory workers. And we've never changed from that. We keep that same mo- that same classroom. Mm-hmm. And like the a lot of the modern curriculum is really heavily shaped by the Cold War. You know, today we have to we're required to take a foreign language class because America was afraid that the their people graduating high school were stupid and couldn't be spies. So you have to know how to speak another language and you know how to, or you have to know how to do math well, and you need to have enough science experience to make a bomb. And it's, it's always been for a purpose rather than actual education. I feel. You know, what's interesting is queen. I was watching the queen Elizabeth show, uh, series, docu-series or whatever it is. Um, and she wasn't taught like any real stuff when she was growing up. She was just taught how to like eat her food with the right spoon or s- serve tea properly. And when I heard that, I was like, wait, what? 
and and the men that were in charge of her they were given education but well i guess that's a whole different that's women versus men's education but i just found that fascinating that the queen wasn't required to have an education at all and she chose to go get it for herself she brought in tutors and basically said i'm gonna teach i want to learn um why wasn't i taught these things because she you know wanted to be the best she could be i just found that fascinating i was like wow even people in power there's someone above her keeping her in the dark Um, in a way of of, to keep their power it's just it starts at the top and it trickles it's just insane how in in cambodia the prime minister of cambodia has a third grade education people don't mm-hmm. like what no he has a third easier grade to control education. that way and he's been in power for 30 years and he rules by fear, fear. he uses fear he was part of the Khmer rouge and then went on you know escaped and went Viet- vietnamese on their side and then he came back to cambodia but they never had he never went to school and most of the people the older generation have zero you know they're illiterate and the mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that the, the Chinese communists really wanted to keep, this is not the Chinese communists today. There a lot. There's been some great leadership there that's changed things a lot. But back under Mao, um, you know, the, if you were a, a school teacher, you know, during the Cultural Revolution, the school teachers were harassed and, <coughs> you know, were, you know, they were um, paraded as you know anybody that spoke out against the gov- government you were executed back in the day but I, I met this one girl that was a guide and she told me her name i mean these all these guides this is china today and so this guide the guides all have names like brad and Brittany, and you know these movie star names and we're like come on your name is not Brittany. what's your real name and she said it was tons of something like that. wow what does it mean she goes well the, the literal translation means little hatred. And it was like, well, okay, this is a story I got to hear. And I and she looks around and makes sure there's none of the other guides there. But her father was a school teacher during the Cultural Revolution under Mao. And he basically ended up committing suicide. She was born on the anniversary of her grandfather's suicide. So the, her father, you can't say anything against Mao Zedong. So he named her, his daughter, Little Hatred. But it was a little hatred of Mao. And so when she was 12 years wow. old, she went to her dad and said, you know, kids are making fun of me for this name. And uh, the Chinese interpret, uh, the, the, there's a similar word that means a flower. So he renamed, only the father can name the daughter. But he literally named his, this is what, this is what happens when you're repressed. That freaking anger comes out. It will come out. And, you know, in America, we get depressed and, you know, neurotic and other things. Other cultures, you know, end up naming their daughters Little Hatred. You know, so it's, it's, it's everywhere that when something mm-hmm. is repressed. Yeah, I think of it uh, as a gross analogy, but I think of it like popping a pimple. It's like you try to put pressure on it. So then everything only has one place to come out. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's way pimple- more. Pimple popping theory of yeah, it's well known. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's good. Yeah. Very visual. Very <laughs> visual. Thank you. I'm gonna throw up now. 
Very creative. Oh, thank you. We forget, we forget <laughs> all of us are visual thinkers. That's the other thing with the hunters. And you're probably the same way too. And this is the difference between you and your teachers. Most teachers are verbal thinkers. You know, they think in words, they, they, they hear sounds. And that, and of course, their teach, they were taught the same way. And they always rise up and they get through the gatekeepers because they're verbal thinkers. Visual thinkers, the creative people like ourselves, they don't understand that. They, 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 um, they think, well, there must be something wrong. We will give them a name. You know, we'll call that, I know we'll call it attention deficit disorder. I'm like, what? Yeah. Where did you came up with that? You know, yeah. you have to be disabled for thinking different. Yeah. You know? It can't just be a different way to yeah. process information. It has to be you're broken in the brain. You should right. feel yeah. bad. You are bad and you should feel bad. The you world is yeah. damn it. Huh? It's, <laughs> yeah, it's like, again, I don't think, or at least I think I've been very lucky with teachers. I, I will say that because, you know, most of my teachers I've really enjoyed. It's always been like in spite of the environment. Yeah. And it's, I feel like it's because they have that experience of being held back because they're not like fitting into that, uh, you know, that role that they, you know, should. Um, so they, they try to make it better themselves yeah. chuck yeager that's, by the way that's what i kept saying you did yes it's there it I, really I just not think about it and it'll pop in my mind but now if that was a test how long did that take we've gone about 15 minutes and i couldn't remember a name that i've read a zillion times and even Kristen said it and i couldn't hear it yeah <laughs> example of what my life has been about it it sounds like your the teachers you had um, have empathy. They have the ability to uh, put themselves in your shoes because they've been down some yeah. tough stuff themselves. So the empathy, I don't know where that falls on the convergent or divergent brain thing, but if you've got like empathy, everybody can have empathy. There, I think it's possible, but some people just I heard like the sociopaths are. Some type of brain, but I don't know the percentage of the population that, that I don't think that's that big. I feel like people should be able to accept their pain, but also hold on to it, because I feel like a lot of the people that are the ones that say like, "Oh, I've you know, I I was able to do it, so should or so you should too." Like that's sort of invalidating in a way. It's like yeah. Are you just saying, like, I, you know, yeah, it hurts, but you're just being stupid because you can't. Yeah. And so, like, I feel like the, the teachers, they're, you know, really strict and they'll, you know, whack your knuckles with a ruler and tell you, like, oh, only 10% of people will get an A because they grade on a curve and C will be an actual average. And they're, like, super strict, you know, multiple choice or tests, write out an essay. Here's, like, the study thing we're going to do for the week like the, the really structured ones they don't they're not a teacher because they want to they're a teacher because they're filling the cycle not because they want to change anything and not because they actually recognize that pain yeah you, that's perfect yeah. that's the farmer mentality they're not out to change anything and in fact they're out to keep things in the hierarchy 
and the hierarchy yeah. is to become what a PhD. So you start and you go to school, I mean, you go to high school, and you get into a college, then you get your bachelor's, then you get your master's, then you get your graduate, you know, your PhD, then you do your postdoctorate. It's it's this hierarchy, and they want you to stay in. And a lot of guys, really creative people, almost every one of them drops out of college. You can't name me an entrepreneur yeah. that hasn't dropped. Hello. Yeah, they all drop out of college at some point. What's the point? Like, if I could actually go out and start doing what I want instead of listening to people and reading old books about something they did, why wouldn't I? Yes. Oh, I, that's a whole other podcast. It is. Tell you what, I've got some great stories. Beautiful, beautiful stories. You know, I'm still stuck on him being on this list. I want to. Do your parents know about? Let's that? make our own list of awesome and say what put all of us on the why list why do you have a list of shame why are you shaming these students is a you know the public list wall of shame again it's it's not like a, a or it's less of a list and more of a ranking that they give you I don't care it's a hierarchy ranking it's still a, it's a shame rank does everyone have access to who's what or do you know it's ranking? it's given it's given to you on your report okay card so it's not like bottom. on a wall at school oh, see, I yeah. like purposely in my yeah, mind it's not it's not like this person is the bad one and right i think okay. it's i think it's just to motivate people to sure. do sure. better which is not the I right way to do that, that on like i feel like if you you know put punishment behind you know doing something the the wrong way or even more importantly you put a reward behind doing something the way you want to it, like makes that thing less appealing uh, uh an example or I, I saw an amazing uh, video essay about like how you know the our our view of motivation is like screwing up the school system but an example they used is if i gave or if i gave you a sandwich i was like hey i made you the sandwich you'd be like oh my god thank you and then you'd be like cool that's a free sandwich but if i gave you a sandwich and told you i'll pay you five dollars to eat it then you're probably gonna go what's wrong with the sandwich it's me and, that's exactly yeah, what i yeah. thought you said that yeah <laughs> and so it's the same sort of like thing behind school do this essay and you'll you know get a huge uh bump to your grade you'll you know the huge thing and then they'll allow you to get into college and then you'll have a good life and that that makes it so the result is more important than the actual process yeah i don't have think this term? transcripts have ever come into play in my life at all ever just so you know and oh, I did great. Yeah. I graduated with a 4.0. Like, I'm not dumb, but it does not really freaking matter unless mm -hmm. you, you need to expand your toolkit and learn from somebody who's actually empathetic and cares that you are understanding what you're being taught. That's a mm -hmm. different thing. Sorry, Dad, I kind of cut you off. What were you about to say? I was just, first, I was going to, I was going to add to your, you, you not only got to four point, but you did it in a haze of a drug haze. Which even made it harder. You either got like a six point or something. Anyway, yeah, that's true. Inside joke. <laughs> Not a joke. Heavily depressed and medicated. So she was. She was. <laughs> but depressed. I survived. I tell you what. She was. She's a. She was a depressed, creative person in that environment, and her out was to find drugs. And that's what, you know, either illegally or people do it when they get older. You know, you hear about all the time. I mean, they get overwhelmed with with. Um, stressed and so you have to take a drug. What I was going to say is, have you heard the term "follow your bliss"? Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's coined by Joseph Campbell, and a mm -hmm. lot of people think that that just means, oh, if I just follow, I'm going to become this writer, and so I'm going to move to Ojai and just write, and, and I'll be so happy, and then, you know, two years later, you're broke, and you're, you know, you got to get a job at McDonald's. That's not following your bliss. You know, following your bliss is doing what you love to do, being smart about it, but mm -hmm. all, but but if you follow doing what you love, like you said, being an art teacher, this is fantastic because you'll, even if you don't make it as a, you know, famous commercial artist, you're getting hits of dopamine all along the way. If you're teaching you're the art class and you teach kids art and you pass on, or you recognize some, you know, you'll feel good about yourself. That's like what I'm doing in Cambodia. I constantly get hits of dopamine and you can't see what I'm doing. Nobody can like figure it out. I'm just, I'm just supporting these people that have, that we've destroyed their lives in war. And I'm trying to give back in little small ways and sometimes just smiling at people. And I right. think it's all along the yeah. way. So that's following my bliss, you know? And that sounds like- Yeah, I think- noble, noble profession. Yeah, I think, you know, everyone should just try to be nice because or not just because like it'll make the world a better place, but just because it feels good. Yeah. Like it feels good to make someone's <laughs> day. It feels good to make someone smile. So, you know, if you go out yeah. of your way to get that good feeling, then you're not only helping yourself, you're helping others. And there are people out there that bingo. That, there are people out there that love to kill things and they love to destroy sociopaths. Sociopath. I mean, uh, you read about, I mean, I saw the other day on the news, I mean, this is a documentary about this woman that killed a, a giraffe, and she was defending, you know, how, you know, she's got this giraffe case, and how it really, it it helps the animal population, it was an older giraffe, they have all of these excuses, but no one ever said the one thing that I know, like my friends that belong to the safari club, they love killing things, that makes them happy, but they don't admit that, they, they have all of these well it helps the herd. well there's no evidence on that i mean what how does it help the herd you're thinning out the herd you hear that all the time well there's no there's no scientific evidence that this stuff that's what does. hitler does that's what hitler was doing he was thinning out the herd so that's carried to the nth degree and when you say being nice there that's a very creative thing to do i mean you want i love to that you know, I like to say, come from a place of love, and you cannot fail. You just can't. Yeah. You can't fail. Well, you'll you create your own world, and you'll find people like the four, the three of us, oh, four of us, I looked at the four things, that'll be around you and support your ideas and say, wow, that's great. I give a shit less about what your grades in, in, in history or in geography. I mean, geography, I would be pissed if you got a low grade geography. But, you know, I could care less about your math scores. But look at the art that he's done. The score, my score is a triple A when I see that. That's it. Yeah. yeah the heart is the most important. Insane. It's insane. I think. Yeah. Are you a good heart or a bad heart? Like, are you a good witch or a bad witch? Kristen, <laughs> my daughter has been. Good witch, She's this support in reverse. I created her somehow. I created her to help support me. But I've had <laughs> times when you know, hopefully you guys never go through this, but gone through divorces and stuff like that. And I, I talked to Kristen and she goes, come from your heart, not your head. Well, my head would say, screw them. I'm going to keep all the money. 
my heart says, I'm going to give him the money. And I would follow Christian's advice. So I created somebody around me that get, that reflects back that I'm a nice guy, that I'm a heart, you know, I've got a heart and that I'm not heartless. Like mm-hmm. a lot of guys my age that are, you I, know. I hold them accountable. What? <laughs> What'd you say? I get, it's like you get to be held accountable because I, I think that's really important having a sounding board that knows everything that's yeah. going on. You can't get away with being, oh, I'm kind of a good human. Like, hey, I'm going to keep some of the money. I'm going yeah, like to kill one person today yeah. instead of five like that's still killing you can't do that not that look, death look what's happening on the news you, this got off it's, on your it's becoming so commonplace that nobody even pays attention but yesterday some guy because of a dispute that um a fireman in colorado and he goes and kills the other guy and burns his house down kills himself whoa you know this stuff you it just so common we don't even think about it you know Mm-hmm. George Floyd is so common. Finally, people went, okay, enough. But you can go back as far as you want. And there's been George Floyd things happening to blacks. Yeah. Since I was a little kid, you know, it just, it wasn't publicized like it is now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a cell phone. Good heart. Yeah. It's way, it's way easier for information to be spread outside of like journalism. And like we experience, you know, yeah. like I said, experience it. We get to experience what we saw it. So you can't bullshit me that, oh, this was in self-defense. No, we all watched it on the, mm-hmm. we experienced it, like you said. Yeah, and it's like, it's a lot more, it's a lot more powerful when it's, or like, I feel like it's more powerful the more information about that one thing you get. Like I could, uh, tell you about you know i feel bad for forgetting his name but the 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 gentleman that got like pulled over by police and then shot seven times in the back in front of his kids like i could tell you about that but it's so much more powerful for you to see it yeah yeah so being able for that to be so widely available i feel is definitely like a good aspect of it i you know there are obviously very bad aspects of social media but, but it holds people accountable way more than back in the day because there's proof. These accountability. I'm sorry. These are problems that you guys, your age group, is now starting to discuss. My age group is a bunch of pandy ass baby boomers. They're so freaking afraid of their goddamn shadow to even you know tackle any of these issues. Very few of them do. You know, mm-hmm. we're gonna make the country great again. Fuck you. It's already great. You know, I don't need some sociopath asshole to tell me that, you know, to politically, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring yeah. it. Well, we shouldn't get too political. I mean, we're not going to get, we're yeah. not going to, yeah. I can be political. Plus, and we should plus, I'm that uh, asshole same yeah. age. Technically, I, I want to end on a better note, but we should start wrapping it up in like <laughs> we, the next. We were right. naturally getting to a good stopping point with yeah, the I goal of um, <laughs> being a teacher, coming from a place of love, and that is one of the most, if I may say, the noblest professions is being a teacher. That's yeah. like one of the most noble ways you can live your life by helping others. And, and you know, the side benefit is it feels good. And hopefully you'll have some free time to help yourself with your side mm-hmm. art projects. I, and I think we should have him <laughs> on again. 
Uh, oh, I'd love to. Just to like keep, let's keep the progress check-ins yeah. coming and I'm just see check, how yeah. it's going this week. You know, I interrogate them every week. No, we want to lift you up I, where I'm, you belong. I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to predict that you're going to feel good when this thing is over. You're just going to have a good feeling because people have acknowledged you, you know, for who you are. Not the yeah. brand you got, but for who you are and what you're doing. It's definitely, and- it's definitely been a struggle for a lot of my life because, you know, I've never I'm very socially awkward and I'm very, you know, bad at getting good grades. So I've never, like, joined any clubs or extracurricular t- or activities that have been really recognized for anything. So what? it's it's a bit of a... Yeah, I, I, it's a little Join bit of a club. selfish part that I just, I just want to... I want people to tell me like, "Oh, you're so good at this. It's it's nice." But hey, there's nothing will. wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And you are good, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the, there's the proof. proof. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, we just saw your art. It's not, it's yeah. undeniable. I so. remember <laughs> when I messaged you. Uh, I commented under your picture on Instagram, and I was like, "Wow, this is so good." And you were like, "Do you want to see the rest of it?" And I was like, "Oh my god, yes." <laughs> Like freaking, you would even talk to me, a peasant learning to draw. Like, yeah, I mean, like comparing my art. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. I was blown away. I was like, wow, dang, this guy. Yeah, here's a girl. Just so you know, this she's a writer and a poet, and and this is kind of how we got started. I I had dinner with her dad. Her dad's a friend of mine, and and um, he's an eye doctor, and so. You know, she said that um, I forgot how I forgot how the original conversation went. But I said, "Well, send me some of the stuff you've written." So she was, "Well, I've written a little thing about this um, uh, vampire." She sent me like thirty page. You know, I said, "Well, can you, you know, just map out the thing?" Like thirty pages of this, like create, 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 create. Like you ready for this? You know, like I'm looking at it like, oh my god, here's somebody who has the potential i'm not saying she's going to but she's got the potential of being like you know the harry potter type woman, a good you know, writer to write like that now look yeah. at the action that's the hardest part yeah. Quick, Taking go, action. don't tell me i'm good that's why we call this podcast the creatively unworthy, creatively unworthy. we're unworthy of praise because we've been taught that. Anyway, that's enough I'm going to say. We yeah. should end it. Thank you very much for coming. All right. yes. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so yeah. much. Yeah. This has been a really special podcast. Yeah, it's been actually, like it. probably like the it. best one we've done. We've had. Very just. Your excuse.